All right, so our, our, our next thing is strategy of Jewish evangelism. It is on page, what page number is it? Is it page four? Really? Okay, good. Page four. Uh, so that, that, that's handy. And so well, I said earlier that, that sometimes the way that we normally go about evangelism doesn't always work when you're dealing with the Jewish people. And so, so we've kind of had to develop some specific ways of reaching Jewish people. Now, there's a sense in which in this I'm going to compare and contrast some different ways of doing evangelism. There are probably some ways of doing evangelism that are wrong that you shouldn't do. But mostly, I'm kind of in favor of, I'm, I'm not kind of like saying this is the right way and all the other ways are wrong. I'm kind of like saying, look, look let's try as many methods as we can because every, each method might reach a different person. And so I'm not saying that you should only do this one and not do that one. I'm saying you should probably do both and, not one, either or, okay? So I, uh, I want to start out by talking to you about the rationale of it or, or the kind of the, the background thinking about Jewish evangelism. Some people will tell you that there is no point in, in reaching out to Jewish people because you're not going to win them to Christ anyway. Jewish people aren't going to get saved. Now, it is true that it's difficult. Okay, so by tomorrow after Sunday school, I'm going to show you that it's not hard to begin to talk to a Jewish person about Christ. It's actually quite easy. Uh, however, it is tough to win a Jewish soul to Christ. Jewish people are, are, aren't easy to win. Okay, in, in, in Romans chapter 11, it says that there's blindness in part on the Jews. And so that's tough. Okay, we're dealing with a group of people that, that there are big barriers to overcome. And so it's, it's a hard thing to win Jewish people to Christ. Uh, and so, you know, we should be aware of that. And yet Jewish people are being saved. And we're seeing that all the time, that, that Jewish souls are coming to Christ. Uh, in Romans chapter 11, it says, even so at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Okay? Paul said, look, back in the day, okay, Isaiah said, look, Lord, they've, they've, they've killed your prophets and they're coming after me too. And God said, no, 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 there's a remnant. There's still Jewish people who have been up, bent the knee to Baal. There's still Jewish people who are faithful to, to me. And, today, and Paul wrote in his day, Look, in this day, many Jewish people have turned away from Christ, and yet there is a remnant that's true to Christ. And in our day today, in 2024, many Jewish people don't believe. The, the bulk of Jewish people do not believe, and yet there is a remnant. I have many Jewish friends who are believers. And so Jewish people are coming to Christ. Um, then the next slide is a picture, I believe, of Johnny Cohen. Uh, Johnny Cohen is uh, a guy, you need to see, see that that, that website is imetmessiah.com. And I think that's in your notes. It is, yeah. And, and you take some time and go do that. It will thrill your heart. If you can go, imetmessiah.com is a ministry. It's not our ministry, different ministry. Uh, it's actually a ministry that's centered in, in Israel. And what they've done is they make videos. They run about five minutes each. Uh, and they're testimonies of Jewish people, mostly professional people, who have come to Christ. And it's them telling their story. This particular guy is Johnny Cohen. The president of our board is a guy named Ed Frampton. Dr. Ed Frampton is the president of IBJM. And he was a church planter in, in Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, and in and, and one of the churches he planted, Johnny Cohen ended up attending that church. Uh, he'd actually gotten saved before he came to the church. He came to the church, was discipled, and now he serves as one of the deacons in that church. He's actually written a book about 
witnessing to Jewish people. And Johnny, uh, he's, a, he's a marvelous guy and, and a beautiful story of how he came to Christ. And so you can go to imetmessiah.com and there's maybe, I don't know, maybe like 60 or 70 or 80 different testimonies, video testimonies. And you click on it and you watch and they tell. Now, a few of them are pretty flaky. Uh, but most of them are just beautiful testimonies, and they say, look, I grew up Jewish, and some, I grew up in a very religious home, and I didn't believe in, and some of them say, no, I was an atheist, and they're telling their story and how they were not interested in God, they weren't interested in Jesus, they, that was all wrong, and they knew it was all wrong, but then how God worked in their life and drew them in, and how they came to Christ, and how, God, how Christ has transformed their lives. It's wonderful to watch these testimonies. So you can go to imetmessiah.com and listen to Johnny, Johnny's testimony, and I think you'll get a real blessing out of it. So I, I put that up there to say this. Many people tell you, well, you're gonna, there's no point in witnessing to Jewish people. They're not going to get saved anyway. Johnny's proof that that's not true. And Stan and Mark and a whole list and Jeff and a whole list of other Jewish people that we've seen come to Christ. Many Jewish people are being saved. Enough Jewish people are being saved that the rabbis are frankly in a panic over it. Okay? Because Jewish souls are coming to Christ. And yet it's still a tiny minority of the Jewish people out there. And so they desperately need Christ. The other thing that I love this website for is there is, in Jewish circles, they go, they, they tell this story. It's not a true story, but it, they tell the story. They say, well, no Jewish person would ever believe in Jesus. No Jewish person would become a Christian. That's just never going to happen. And you'll say, well, I know this one Jewish guy who got saved. And he's like, okay, well, Probably he was paid off. Some Christians probably offered him a whole lot of money if he would pretend to convert to Christianity. And so, so probably he was paid off to do that. Okay, now, it's not true. Many Jewish people have come to Christ, and more are going to come to Christ. But a lot of times I love to say to him, I say, no Jewish person gets saved? Go to imetmessiah.com and listen to your Jewish brothers and sisters as they give their testimonies one after the other of many, many, many Jewish people who have come to Jesus Christ and believe in him. And Jewish people, see, it's like, well, no Jewish person would do it, and I don't want to be the first one to do it, okay? And then when they realize that many Jewish people have been saved, then they're like, oh, well, maybe this isn't so unreasonable, and, you know, other people have done it, and it worked out for them, so maybe, maybe it is something I could consider. So imetmessiah.com is a, is a good tool. And the next question is, if you ask yourself, Jewish people are being saved, well, how do they get saved? What is it that leads them to, to, to faith in Christ? And, and here's the thing that I want to tell you. A lot of times we do evangelism in a lot of different ways. So we'll have a big crusade and we'll invite the entire community to come to First Baptist Church for, for a series of meetings. Okay, you can do that. That's great. But can I tell you something? The Jewish people aren't going to come to First Baptist Church. You know, if you put out flyers and say, Evangel you know, big crusade to reach the Jewish people of the area... They're not, they're as likely to come here as if you got an invitation to the local mosque. You going? No, and they aren't either. Okay, so that's not going to reach them. Okay, now I really believe in, a ministry, in, in literature ministry. I carry tracts with me everywhere I go. I once read about a pastor who, who told his people, if you ever see me outside of my house without a tract, I'll give you 20 bucks. Okay, that was to help him to always remember to carry gospel tracts with him. And he, uh, it was that or lose 20 bucks. But I believe in tract ministry. I believe in giving people gospel tracts and leaving tracts with people. That's a really good ministry. But it's going to be a, an exceeding rare thing that you run into a Jewish person, give him a tract, and he gets saved there. Now, it's plant seed, and it's worth doing. I'm in favor of tracts. But we need more than tracts. Tracts alone aren't going to get the job done. Okay, now, I go door to door. 
I like going door to door. That's a really good ministry to go door to door and knock on a door. But folks, can I tell you, it's exceptionally rare that a Christian would knock on a Jewish door, the Jewish person would come to, come to the door, and okay, normally when they come, you say, hi, my name is Sam Wilson, I'm from First Baptist Church, and I wanted to, and they go, stop, I, I'm Jewish, uh, thank you for coming by, but I'm not interested, bye. And, they close. and usually that's how long that conversation normally will go. Sometimes you can go longer, but it is exceptionally rare that a Christian will be able to meet a Jewish person that they haven't ever met, either on the street or at their door, share the gospel, and see that person get saved on the moment. Now, I used to say that never happens, but I've had it happen a couple of times, okay? So, yeah, it can happen. It does occasionally, but it's really rare, okay? That's not how Jewish people are being saved. So a lot of the things we normally do, have a big set, you know, series of meetings or hand out the gospel tract or go to the door-to-door -door or, or, or street ministry, those are all good. I'm in favor of all of those things, but you're not going to win many Jewish people to Christ through that, okay? That's not how you're going to win them. You say, well, then how are we going to win them? How are they coming? To, they're coming to, to, to faith in Christ through long-term personal relationships. Okay, if you go and talk to Jewish people who have been saved and say, how did you come to Christ? You hear the same story time after time after time. Okay, and it starts out, they say, well, you see, I had this neighbor that was a Christian. I had this relative. I had this friend. I had this coworker who was a Christian. And they came to me and they said, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. And I said, shut up, not interested, I'm Jewish, leave me alone. And they looked at me, they smiled sweetly, and they said, okay. And then they didn't. They didn't leave me alone. You say, what did they do? They loved me and they prayed for me and they shared, they continued to sow the gospel and they wouldn't quit no matter what. And eventually, after a long time, different periods of time, but over a period, that witness over a period of time, the love, the prayers, the sowing of the word of God, the perseverance, over a period of time, God touched my heart. The love, the prayers, the word of God softened my heart, and finally I was willing to listen. And I said, okay, I give up. Tell me why you think that this should have anything to do with me, a Jew. And they opened the scriptures, and finally I was willing to listen. And they showed me. And I believed. That's how Jewish people are coming to Christ. Therefore, how are we going to win them? We're going to win them through relationship. In Mark chapter 5, verse 19, there's this story about, about the guy, he was the, the demon-possessed guy, and he got saved, and he said, Jesus, I want to follow you, let me come with you. And Jesus said, no. That's a weird thing. Jesus said, no, you can't follow me. That doesn't seem like something Jesus would say, does it? Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, <coughs> Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. He said, don't follow me. Instead, go home. And tell your friends and neighbors what God has done in your life. You see, if I go to your friends and neighbors, and say, hi, I'm Sam Wilson, I live in Georgia, and I've come to tell you about Jesus, they're going to be like, we don't know you, you look like a foreigner, leave us alone. They don't know me, and they're not going to trust me. Even if pastor goes and speaks to them, they're going to be like, who are you? You're the pastor, you're just doing this because it's your job. But they know you. You have a personal relationship with them. I'm a missionary to the Jewish people. God has given me the responsibility to share Christ with Jewish people around, around the world, okay? 
That's my, that's my job. You're a missionary too. You have a circle of influence. Your, your family and relatives. Your friends. The people who live on your street. The people you work with. The people you, I don't know, go hunting with or go bowling with or whatever it is you do. Okay. That is your circle of influence. I can't reach them. Pastor can't reach them. There's one person that can reach them. And that's you. And God has given you the responsibility of reaching that circle with the gospel every bit as much as he's given me the job of reaching the Jewish people. You must reach out. And that's what Jesus is saying here to this guy. He's like, look, go to the people who know you. Because they know what a wretch you were. They knew you were demon-possessed, that you were crazy. And when they see you clothed and in your right mind and reasonable and full of love and joy and peace, they're going to say, wow, what happened to you? And you can share the gospel, and it will have enormous impact because of relationship. And that's what God is, that's what God's telling us about reaching Jewish people is, you know, I go to towns and people are saying, oh, Brother Sam's coming to Eaton. Maybe he can go witness to our Jewish neighbor. Okay, so I would be happy to. But the truth of the matter is, you'd probably be more effective than I would. Okay, now I'm not saying I won't do it. I'd be happy to. I mean, honestly, I would be happy to. Okay, but the truth of the matter is, I'm just some guy from out of town he doesn't know. The person he's going to be more willing to listen to is his neighbor who he knows. Now, somebody's sitting there saying, well, I would do that, but you know what? I've got issues in my life, and I, my, my neighbors know that, I, or my coworkers, they know that I, I sometimes really fall down, and I, I don't always do right. Of course they do. Not, nobody's expecting you to be perfect. Perfection is not a requirement here. Sincerely trying to be a godly person, sincerely trying to walk with the Lord, that is a requirement. If you're not even trying to walk with the Lord, then start trying to walk with the Lord. But God, nobody, your, your lost people, they don't expect you to be perfect. If you had to be perfect before you had witnessed, and we'd all died and go to hell, okay? So don't let that stop you. It's through personal relationships. Now, if it's through personal relationships, then you and I have to build personal relationships. I'll be honest, one of the problems I see in Baptist churches is sometimes we don't even know lost people. Sometimes we don't even interact with lost people. You should look for opportunities to meet and build relationships with lost people. Now, sometimes you can go to enormous lengths. Like, I have a neighbor from Michigan. But in spite of him being from Michigan, we're friends. Even though he put a blue and a yellow balloons on my mailbox on a certain day last November. Okay, we're friends, and I'm sharing Christ with Mark. Okay? God, look, go out there and reach out to people and be friendly and purposely build relationships so that you have lost people. So the first thing is, is we have to build personal relationships. The next thing I want to say is we often think that it's missionary driven. We think, well, the missionary is going to reach the Jewish people. Look, this missionary is never going to reach the people, the Jewish people in Eaton or Dayton or, or Richmond. Uh, I don't live there. I can't reach them. Who lives there? You do. Who's going to reach them? You are. What if you don't? Then they're going to die and go to hell. If the churches in this area 
don't reach out to the Jewish people in this area, then they're going to perish. It's that simple. It's not, a missionary, it's not that the missionary can do it. It's you that has to reach them. And that's why there's a picture of your church up there, because you're the ones that have to do it. New paradigm. So I'm not even sure what paradigm means, uh, but it's a really cool word, so we just decided to use it. So a new paradigm is a new way of thinking and going about the whole concept. So when I was a kid, when I heard soul winning, all I thought was you go to the door, knock on the door, hi, I'm Sam Wilson from First Baptist Church, let me tell you about Jesus. And I had these, like I had, I had my New Testament with marked with all the Romans wrote in it, which is not a bad thing to do. Uh, and, and they taught me that you talk really fast so that the other person can't interrupt because you want to get through the gospel before they interrupt because once they interrupt, you may never get back to it. And so you talk, you, you're actually, you have to take a big breath ahead of time because you're going to talk really fast and you don't give them a break to get in. And you kind of like do like a telemarketer really quick and you go through all these verses. And then at the end, you said, you want to get saved? And they say, yes. And, and you fall down on your knees right there on the threshold of the house and they get saved and you're done. And that, I was kind of taught a sense of evangelism like that, okay? Now, again, I want to assert, I'm not against going door to door. It's a great thing to do although I'm not sure that the kind of the telemarketer system of evangelism is, is useful. Uh, in our day and age, I think it will do more harm than good. Uh, so when you go door to door, try being a human being instead of a telemarketer, it would be better. Okay, but in my mind, I think of soul winning in a couple of different modes. I have more than, so there's like, okay, one mode is I'm meeting this person and I've got about 10 seconds with them and that's it. You know, 10 seconds to three minutes. So I knocked on their door, and I've got this short, or, or it's a cashier at, at, the, at the grocery store, or the waitress at the, at the restaurant, or whatever. I've got this much time to witness to them, so I'm going to give them a gospel track. I'm going to give them a few words. I'm going to get what I can done quickly, okay? So I'm going to try to get as much gospel to them as quickly as I can in a non-offensive way, okay? But my other mode is I've got relationship with this person. It's not a one-shot thing, Okay? This is somebody I work with. I'm going to see him every day. It's a relative that I'm going to see, you know, every holiday from now until, until you know, until the Lord comes back. Uh, or, or it's a friend or, or whatever, okay? This is somebody I know. And so I'm not on a one-time basis, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about witnessing in the context of relationship. Now, the first thing that I want to say is that it's an ongoing process, I was taught about witnessing that it was like a four-minute encounter. I literally had a pastor once here in this state tell me, I, I, was, I was an assistant pastor at this church, and he told me, he said, look, whenever anybody goes forward, I want you to come forward to go through the scriptures with him, but you need to lead him to the Lord in three minutes because then you fill out the card and hand it to me so that I can announce that he got saved at the end of the service. So you got three minutes to lead him to Jesus. Um... This is somebody's eternal soul. This seems like something that's really important to me. And the idea of saying, you got three minutes to lead him to Jesus seems insane to me, okay? Uh, I didn't say that to him because I would have gotten fired, but I said, I'm not sure I can do that. Okay, we, we often think of soul winning it. So Sam's here and he's saying, I want you guys to go witness to your Jewish friends. And a lot of you are thinking, oh, I'm going to witness to my Jewish friend. I'm going to take three minutes to present the gospel to him. I'm going to take maybe five minutes. Maybe, maybe I'm going to be crazy and go ten minutes. Stop. I don't want you to think about witnessing as one discrete moment where I'm passing the scriptures to him. I want instead for you to draw a long, long, long line. 
a huge arc, okay? And that's time over a huge period of time. And I'm going to witness to him here and here and here and here and here and here and here. And so I want you to conceptualize your witnessing, not as something that I do once for three minutes, but something that I do regularly over an extended period of time. Okay, I want you to start thinking of witnessing in, in the context of relationship like that. So not like this, but like that. You're all looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm just up here waving my arms, saying words, okay. Um, and so I want us to begin to think of it as a process. The second thing is I want to think about responsibility. I have, I'm thinking of a particular person that we knew, a young woman uh, who was dear to us at one point in our lives, who grew up in, in a good fundamental Baptist church. And I don't think it was the church's fault, but she got everything twisted around backwards in her head. And I remember her, as she's about 25 years old, weeping. And we're saying, what is wrong? And she said, when I was in high school, there was this math teacher. And I know God wanted me to witness to him. And I was scared of him, so I never witnessed to him. And she broke into sobs and said, his blood is on my hands. He's going to go to hell, and it's my fault, and, and I'm guilty, and I, I can't ever get this blood off my hands. I was like, whoa. Okay, let's stop and breathe. Okay, what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to be a faithful witness. Our responsibility is to talk to the people who are around us about Jesus Christ. We need to take that seriously and we need to do that, okay? I can't make anyone get saved, okay? I think we've all been around somebody to say, that, you know, I, I've won people to the Lord, and then later they'd say, oh, this is Sam, he's the guy that saved me. And I cringe. Um, I, actually, I've, not saved, I've never saved anybody, okay? I don't have the ability to save anybody. Oh, well, he's the one that, that, that yeah, I showed you. I, 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 I took you by the hand and I led you to Christ, but I can't save anyone, and I can't make anyone get saved. I'm going to give you all kinds of information about how to lead Jewish people to Christ, but there are no guarantees. They have to make their own decision. Some of them will choose Christ and some of them will choose to turn their back on Christ. We have no ability to affect that. Well, we can, we, we can love and we can pray and we can sow and we can persevere. Those things we can do. But in the end, it's between them and God. What is our responsibility? It's my responsibility to be a faithful witness. And I call you to do that. I, I exhort you to be a faithful witness to share Christ with your neighbors. Okay? But... Don't go off on everything is my fault, everything's in my hands, because it's not. There's another way I, I think about this. I used to think that I'm the one who bears the responsibility for my neighbor's soul. And now I think God's in charge. And I'm just, I'm just one little worker for Jesus, okay? I'm just... I'm just one little peon that works in God. God has this big business he's doing of trying to win the world, and I'm one of his little workers, and my job's just to do my part, and my part is to share Jesus with my neighbors. And, and the results are his issue, not my issue. I can't be in charge of the results. He's in charge of the results. And so there's that. Um, next thing, expectations and reactions. Used to be, I would go knock 
on the door. You're right there, so I'm just going to pick on you all day long. I would go knock on the door, and he would come to the door, and I would say, hi, I'm Sam Wilson. I'm from First Baptist Church. I want to tell you about Jesus, okay? And if he would get saved, I'd be, yes, yes, I am such an awesome soul winner. I want him to Jesus, okay? Which is wrong, okay? But what would normally happen is that he would listen for 10 seconds or two minutes or maybe 10 minutes, and then in the end, he'd say, well, thanks for coming by, but have a nice day. Bye, and he would close the door. And I would walk away dejected because I failed. You see, my expectation was that he needed to get saved right now at the door. And when he didn't get saved, then I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm dejected because I failed. Okay? Stop that. Okay? Let me tell you what I do now. I knock on the door and I say, Hi, I'm Sam Wilson. I'm from First Baptist Church. wanted to come by and visit with you for a few moments. And we have conversation. Maybe only 10 seconds, because sometimes it only lasts 10 seconds, okay? Maybe longer, whatever. I'm going to share as much gospel with him as I can in that period of time, okay? And then maybe he gets saved, in which case my heart will be full of joy and I will thank God for what God did in his life, because it wasn't me, it was God anyway, okay? And... Maybe he doesn't get saved. And then what do I think? I go back down that sidewalk saying, praise God, I had the opportunity to serve God today. I had a chance to share some of the God's gospel with this lost person. I got to show him love in the name of Jesus Christ. I was able to serve God and faithfully do what he asked me to do today. Hallelujah. Now, God, I pray for that young man that you'd work in his heart. God, I was able to plant some seed. God, bring somebody else to water. Bring somebody else to plant some more. God, bring it along and keep doing your work and bring him to Christ. Okay, so instead of going away dejected because he didn't get saved, I go away praising God because I was able to do what God called me to do. I was able to be a faithful witness, and I go away in faith believing that God's going to continue the work. Um, I'm trying to remember what the next point is. Go ahead and throw the next point up so I know what I'm saying. Okay, I trust in God. I, I have a thing I sometimes talk about that I call soccer strategy. Okay, how many of you like... Football, American football. Okay. How many of you like soccer? Football. Okay, cool. Okay, excellent. Now, there's a difference. I grew up, okay, I'm from Ohio. I'm from, oh, football is in my veins, okay? It is. Literally, I'll be overseas. I was walking down the street in Russia, and it was fall, and I'm thinking about ministry, but it, the, 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 it's fall, and it's getting cool out, and the leaves are beginning to turn, and I find myself humming the, the fight song. Just, I mean, I wasn't thinking about it, but it's fall, and that means it's football, okay? So that's what's in my blood. Uh, now, in football, our favorite thing is opening kickoff, and the guy fields it three yards deep in the end zone. He takes off goes up the center, makes a cut, hits the sideline, nobody can catch him, Teddy Ginn all the way for the touchdown, okay? And he runs 103 yards for a touchdown and we lose our minds, okay? Best play of all in football. Not in soccer. In soccer, if I'm the coach and I have a guy that tries to do that, I put him on the bench where he can't do any harm. Okay, in soccer, the way that the game is played is this guy gets control of the ball and his job is to work it down the field as far as he can until the defense is closing in around him and then he passes to somebody over here. And he works it down the field and passes to that guy who works it down a, way, a little further and passes that guy and that guy shoots it in for the, for the score. 
Okay, now what I'm trying to say is soul winning is more like soccer than it is like football. Do you know what percentage of, 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 of kickoffs end up with a run back? I actually, I don't remember. I, I, I went and looked this up once, but it's really low, almost nobody. But a lot of times we have this idea of what God expects me to do is run it back for a touchdown every time. What God expects me to do is the first time I meet somebody, I gotta win him to Christ and he's gotta get saved right now. Yeah, that doesn't happen that often. And if that's your expectation, and if you're a failure, if you don't meet it, you're going to go around being a failure a lot. Okay? Here's what God wants you to do. God wants you to advance the gospel as far as he's willing to listen and receive it. Okay? I very rarely will push somebody further than they want to go. When I'm talking, here's a weird thing. As a, back in the day, I was a teacher, okay? A teacher needs to know their material. If you're a math teacher, you need to know math. But every teacher needs to know their students. So when I'm teaching, not only do I need to know the math, but I need to understand my student, and I, know, I need to know how to communicate with him. Okay? In the old way I was taught to do soul winning, it had nothing to do with the person I was talking to. It's me get, I'm going to get this message to you whether you like it or not. Okay? I don't do that anymore. I'm sharing the love of Christ with you. I'm sharing the gospel with you. But while I'm doing it, I'm very aware of who you are. I'm trying to figure out how to reach your heart. I'm looking at your eyes. I'm watching your face. I'm paying attention to the person I'm talking to. Okay? And when I see him begin to close up, when I see him beginning to look around, when I see him begin to cross his arms, he's telling me I am done listening. Now, there's a rare occasion when the Spirit of God will speak to my heart, push on through. And if the Spirit of God tells you to do it, you might ought to do it. Okay? But generally speaking, when he's done listening, there's precious little profit in me continuing to talk. And so I'm sharing Christ, and as long as I see that he's open and he's willing to listen, I'm, I'm going to keep moving the ball down the field. Okay? But when I see that he's done, then like that soccer player, I'm going to pass. You say, what do you mean? How do you pass? I'm going to say, hey, what, what's your name? Huh? Truman. I'm going to say, hey, Truman, you know what? I have really enjoyed talking with you. It's been a, really it's been a blessing. I hope you have a great day. Have a, have a good one. I'll see you later. And I'm going to walk away. And as I walk away, I'm saying, now, Father, you know Truman. I was able to share gospel with I didn't get the whole gospel in. I took him as far as I could go. But now, now God, I'm passing the ball to you. God, Bring somebody else to Truman. God, some circumstance in his life that will draw him to you. Some friend that will talk to him about Christ. God, maybe you'll let me have another chance to talk with him. But God, I'll take Truman. So I, I, we do soul winning like we do soccer, not like we do football. We take it as far as, it'll, as, as, as you can go, as long as his heart is open. And then I step back and I don't wait until he's mad because I want the door to open, to be open to talk to him again because we're in relationship. And I step back in a pleasant way, end the conversation, leaving the door open for the next guy who's going to witness to him. And I say, God, I put Truman in your hands. I trust you to, to take the work forward to him because you want him to be saved way more than I do. And so I trust you with that. And so, so we, 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 we work the ball down the field trusting God to do it. I can tell you stories about how I've won to people to Christ. But can I tell you something about those stories? 
The reason I won them to Christ is that somebody passed me to passed the ball to me when I was in scoring position. Okay? Because somebody else had been working all along. And then I got the opportunity to knock it in a goal. It's, it's not that I did it all myself. Okay, next slide. People say to me, I don't even know any Jewish people. How will I find Jewish people? So there's this cool new technology called Google. Uh, you probably never heard of it. I use it all the time. If you ask me about how do I find Jewish people, I'm going to say open, Jewish, open Google Maps. Okay. And there's this button on it you can push that'll take you right to where you're at right now. There's where I'm at right now, First Baptist Church. And then I'm going to type Jewish. Or you can type synagogue either way. And then hit search. And next slide. It's going to look like that. Okay. So there's your church right there in the middle. Okay, now two of the red dots are actually Messianic groups. So they're actually groups that believe in Jesus. But uh, the one in Miamisburg and one of them up here in, in Richmond. But the rest of these are all Jewish organizations. So if you say, how do I find Jewish people? Where are the Jewish people? Where do you think the Jewish people are? Your map just showed you where the Jewish people are at. There's Jewish people in Richmond. There's a bunch of them in Dayton. And you can even see what part of the city they're in. Okay, that's where the Jewish people are going to live. So Jewish maps is, or Google Maps is one way to find the Jewish people. Uh, now, I, I like it when I'm doing a seminar and I can say there's a synagogue a half a mile from your church, which often happens, but I don't have that here. But nonetheless, that's like 20 minutes away, right? That's very close. Okay, now there's another way to find, there are several ways to find Jewish people, okay? The next way that I want to tell you about Jewish people, I tell people, so I like to mess with people. I say, if you really want to find Jewish people, then what I want you to do is I want you to go home, go in your bedroom, close the door, and they look at me and they're like, there's a Jewish person in my bedroom? No. Get down on your knees next to your bed and say, God, I want to witness to a Jewish soul. God, if you'll send a Jewish person in my life, I promise I'll love him, pray for him, and sow the word of God in his life and stay at it. Look, if you sign up, God will take you seriously. And Jewish people will come into your life. You're like, How? I have no idea. <clears throat> in completely random, though seemingly random, unpredictable, bizarre ways, you'll begin to bump into Jewish people. I have a friend in Ukraine. His name is Vladimir. I said, I was telling Vladimir, you need to witness to Jewish people. He said, Sam, I don't even know any Jewish people. And I said, go home, get down on your knees next to your bed and pray and ask God to send Jewish people in your life. And he's like, I don't think that'll work. And I said, give it a try. He said, okay, I will. He called me back a month later. And he said, I quit praying that prayer. And I said, Why? He said, I have 20 Jewish people in my life. I don't have time for any more Jewish people. Everywhere, I keep meeting Jewish people. Everywhere I go, I run into Jewish people. It's crazy. Okay? If you will tell God, I'm ready and willing to witness to Jewish people, he will send Jewish people into your life. He's looking for people who were ready to do this. So pray and ask God, and God will send Jewish people in your life in ways that are so weird. We had a young lady that come to a conference of ours, and I taught this, and she went home and she prayed. She lived in a town. Well, she lives in Beckley. Uh, Beckley, West Virginia, and she's like, there's like almost no Jewish people here. And so the next week she had to go on a trip for something. And so she, she went up to Charleston and got on an airplane. And uh, she had been praying, Lord, send me a Jewish person. She gets, she gets on an airplane. It's a little, a small airplane. And it's like two seats on either side of the island. She's sitting there kind of in a little cramped seat. And the, this man sits down next to her and she says, hi. And he says, hi. And they begin to talk and he's Jewish. And she was like, God. I just came from a Jewish conference. I've been praying you'd send me a Jewish person. You put one right next to me from here to Chicago. And she got to witness to him all the way to Chicago. Okay, 
God will take you seriously, okay? So you should think about it. Okay, thirdly, a really good way to find Jewish people. You want to know how to find Jewish people? You just go around witnessing to people. You go around telling people, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to give you a gospel tract. And you're going to come up to a guy and say, I want to give you this. And he's going to say, stop, I'm Jewish. And you're going to go, ha, gotcha. <laughs> okay, that happens to me fairly regularly is I'm going around just witnessing as I always do. And they say, no, 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 I'm Jewish. And I'm like, no. Nah. Found you. Okay. And then the fourth thing that you can do is you can get involved in the Jewish community. Okay. You say, well, I don't, I can't find any Jewish people. Okay. Well, look, they're not that hard to find. Uh, it says right here, jewishdayton.org. Okay. Is the local Jewish, Jewish federation. You can go to the website. They have events. You are invited to go to their events. They have film series. They have concert series. They have book reviews. They have all kinds of different things they do in the Jewish community. Now, you know, if they're, if, you know, you, I mean, you could literally go to one of their worship services and you'd be welcome, okay? But go to one of their other activities, okay? And just go and be a part of it. And, and meet people there. Be friendly while you're there. Don't be there and hide in a corner and be sullen. Okay, go out there and meet people. Hi, who are you? What's your name? Oh, so nice to meet you. And they'll say, what synagogue do you go to? Oh, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. What? You're not Jewish? No, I just, I just love the Jewish people. So I'm actually, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I go to First Baptist over in Eaton. But I love Jewish people, so I, I just wanted to come and, and be here to support the community. And they're like, really? That's really weird. But, you know, you come once, and they're like, hmm, that's odd. And you come a second time and a third time, and they're getting used to it, and the fourth time. And now, now... And, and there's an announcement. They're saying, look, we're having a rummage sale next week, but we need some people to come and set up tables and organize everything. You say, I can help. Just get involved. Look, they were like, you'll help? They're like, yeah. Like, well, we need all the help we can take. We'll take a goy. Sure, come and help. And before you're long, you're serving in their community, contributing to what they're doing, helping them out. You're one of the gang. Now, don't go witness to them at their event. Okay, that would be sort of like, a Mormon coming into your church and beginning to preach Mormon religion in your church, the pastor would throw him out. And if you try to witness at the synagogue or at the Jewish event, they're going to throw you out, okay? And they should, okay? So don't witness at their event. Go to their event, get acquainted with them, love on them, build relationships, and then say to the person, man, I really enjoyed meeting you. We should get coffee. I love Starbucks. Actually, I don't even like Starbucks. Starbucks is a great way, a great witnessing tool. We should get coffee. Hey, you want to go to Starbucks next week? Yeah, let's do that. Now I can witness to him. Oh, I'll start witnessing by asking questions. So what do you believe? Really, that's interesting. And then you can share what you believe. Anyway, so how do you find them? Google Maps, prayer, witnessing, getting involved in the community. Next thing. Now, you're going to be shocked because I'm going to tell you the four keys to Jewish evangelism, and you've never heard these before. The first one is love. Okay, yeah, these are the same four things I've been saying to you all day long. Okay, the first thing is that you've got to love them. Okay, now, I'm not talking about the pro forma um, love that you have to, okay, we have to love each other, so I guess I love him, whatever. Uh, I'm not talking about the kind of obligatory love that we do in Baptist churches. I'm talking about the real, live, genuine kind of love. Love them, really love them. Look. Two-year-old babies can tell whether you really like them or not. They can. They can tell. Okay? These grown-up adults, if you're faking it, they know you're faking it. So really love them. Love them for real. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Love them for real. And if you really love them, it will be expressed in deeds. Get involved in their lives. Be their friend. 
help them in ways that they need help. Be a, be, be a real friend. Number two, pray for them, okay? There's so much I could say about this. Okay, the first thing I want to say is the verse there. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. If God doesn't win the soul, all your soul winning is a waste of time. Only God can do it. Now, he will do it only as you go and do it. So your witnessing is an essential part of it. But only he's going to bring them in. So pray. We've got to pray because only God can change their heart. Pray. And as you pray, let me remind you, you pray in faith. You pray believing. Because if you don't pray in faith, you're basically just whining. Okay? Pray in faith, trusting God. You say, but I don't think they're listening. You know what? I believe that God is working. When we pray, I believe God is working. You say, well, I don't see any sign of it. No, I don't either. But I believe that he is. People, look, Jewish people are going to mostly pretend that they're not listening. Sometimes they're going to yell and scream and maybe cuss at you. That might be a sign they're under conviction. Okay? If, you, if you've gone with the gospel and you've prayed and asked God to do the work, you believe him that he is doing the work. So pray, pray in faith, pray that God will do it, make a difference. Thirdly, sow, okay? Now, I want to explain why I use the word sow. Sowing is, is a thing. I really need to get a bunch of pieces of corn up here to, to illustrate this because I'm not saying that you give them the whole gospel every time you see them. If you have a neighbor and every time you see him, you go through the Romans road with him, he's going to start dodging you or maybe he's going to hit you in the head with a baseball bat. And that may be an appropriate response. I mean, if you shared the whole gospel with me every time I saw you, I would become very tired of you very quickly. Okay, don't share the whole gospel with him every time you see him. But sow a gospel seed on a regular basis. Maybe not every time you see him, but on a regular basis, a little gospel seed. When you meet the Jewish person, don't hide that you're a Christian. I try to, in my first ever contact with him, I say, oh, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, in Jesus the Messiah. I tell him that I'm... Now, I don't usually use the word Christian because when they hear Christian, they think Catholic, and this is really bad history between the Jews and the Catholics. So, so I'll say, I'm a Baptist, and he's like, I have no idea what that means. Sometimes they'll say, well, what's a Baptist? And I'm like, no, you just asked me to witness to you. <laughs> well, a Baptist is somebody who believes in salvation by grace through faith. Okay, and so then I can go right into the gospel. Um, but I saw all the time I'm a Baptist, he's like, I'm not sure what that means, but it must be some kind of Christian. And so I tell him right, off, right up front that I'm a Christian and that because I'm a Christian, I love the Jewish people. Okay, that's weird because most people who are Christians don't like us, but this one says he does like us. I wonder if I can believe him. I don't know. I have to see how this works out. And so I'm, I'm right up front about the fact that I'm a Christian. And then when I see him, I'm going to drop a little seed of the gospel. So maybe what I do is the first time I see him, I say, man, I'm so excited. I've been praying about this thing, and God just answered my prayer. And tell him about how God answered your prayer. He's going to be like, well, that was probably a coincidence, I suppose. And then the next time I see him, I'm going to say, I just read the coolest thing in the scriptures. I've got to share this with you. And I share with him something I read from the Jewish Bible. Okay? And the next time I read him, I say, you know, I've got to tell you what happened to me. I, I, and, and maybe I give him my testimony. You see, there's all these different ways that you can give just a drop of the gospel here and a drop of the gospel here. And you say, why aren't you giving him the whole gospel? Because probably when you start, his heart is closed and he won't listen to the whole gospel. So I just plant seeds. I love him and I pray for him and I just keep planting seed because I believe 
that whatsoever men soweth, that shall he also reap. And if I keep planting seed, there's going to be a crop. Okay? And then the fourth thing is, I persevere. Okay? I stay at it. I don't quit. Now, I have to tell you that the average Christian is the world's biggest wimp. Okay? I mean, it's embarrassing. You know, I have Christians that say, well, I tried to talk to my neighbor about Jesus, but he said, I'm Jewish, I'm not interested, and I feel so persecuted, and I'm so ashamed, and I'll never talk to him again about Jesus. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Come on, grow up. Is that all it takes to discourage you? Is he said, I'm Jewish, I'm not interested? Huh. You'd really do good if you were in the Colosseum against the lions, wouldn't you? Come on, guys. Let's not be wimps. I'm going to stay on the job. I have a friend in Ukraine. He's a Jewish man who got saved. <coughs> now he's a missionary to the Jews. And he told me, he said, so here's what you do. If you go talk to a Jewish person, and he says, I'm not interested, you wait two weeks before you come back and tell him again. He said, if he says, I'm not interested, don't ever talk to me about this again. Then you wait a month. If he yells, screams, threatens to call the police, and threatens to do you bodily harm, two months. You get it? There's nothing he can say that's going to make me stop. I'm going to keep coming. Lovingly, gently, I'm just going to keep coming back and keep loving and keep praying and keep sowing the word of God. Because it takes time. You say, well, well he rejected me. Look, Sam, the missionary of the Jewish person, is telling you right now, the first time you talk to him about Jesus, he's going to reject you. So now when you go out and talk to your Jewish neighbor and he rejects you, you can say, hey, I must be doing it right. I'm right on schedule. Sam said at the start his heart would be closed and he'd reject me. Boom, happened just like it was supposed to. I'm on, I'm on target. Yeah, okay. And you stay at it. You stay at it. I can't tell you how many times that we've seen somebody get saved and then afterwards we found out that through their life, there was this person who witnessed to them, and then there was this person who witnessed to them, and this person, and this person, and this person, and, this person, and then down here they got saved. Okay? Now, if I could go back in time with a microphone, and I could come back to this person and say, hey, did you ever witness to that person? Yeah, I did. How'd it go? Oh, they, would, they just rejected. They didn't listen to anything I said. It was a complete waste of time. I was a failure. How about you? Same thing. How about you? Same thing. How about you? No, they just dissed me. All six of those people would tell you it did no good at all. And I will tell you that all six of them were part of that person getting saved over here. Okay? And they never know until they get to heaven that their witness made a difference in that life, but they have no way of knowing it because I'm the only one that got to see the fruit born. Okay? So what I'm saying is you don't know. And often you will never know until heaven. But you persevere. You stay at it. You say, I'll never quit. You say, how long is it going to take? I don't know. It could take six weeks. It could take six months. It might take six years. It might take six decades. I don't know. But what you say is it doesn't matter. I don't have a timer on this. I'm going to love them and I'm going to keep loving them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to keep praying for them. I'm going to sow, and I'm going to keep sowing, and I'm going to stay on it no matter how they respond. I'm just going to keep coming back, loving, praying, sowing, and I'm going to do it for as long as it takes till they come to Christ. That's how we want Jesus, Jewish people to Christ. 
by the way, everything I've said in this session works as well for Gentiles as it does for Jews. Okay, this is as much for Gentiles as it is for Jews. Anytime you're witnessing in a relationship, this is how it works. Okay, now, we have 30 minutes left, and I'm, I'm of two minds. Okay, so here's what's, what we're going to do. I have a lesson here called Jewish Holidays and Evangelism. Let's bring that one up on the slides, and that should be the next.